How do you edit your writing to be more true? Today, I'm with singer-songwriter John Elliott, here on The Writing Process. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to the eighth episode of The Writing Process. It's your deep dive weekly podcast conversation with writing masters. I'm your host, Chris Wink, and I have a confession to make. Everyone I've interviewed on this first season of the podcast is absolutely someone whose writing I've personally enjoyed. I chose them because they stood out to me as being truly best-in-class examples of writing methodologies I admire and believe we all should employ. Today, today's interview may be a bit of an extreme. Yeah, I'm a fanboy. Oh, well, uh, my name is John Elliott. I'm a, which order? Singer-songwriter, producer, performer. But maybe not in that order. Yes, John, I am a fanboy of John Elliott. So there exists this very old tradition of the traveling musician, the songwriters and performers who make a living making music but outside the bounds of the formal industry that exists today. John is something like that. He's a member of an international community of folk singer-songwriters who put out independent albums and travel the world booking coffee shops and house concerts and festivals. And I like this tradition. I've attended plenty of house concerts from dozens of such artists. In proper, organic folk tradition, I was first introduced to John Elliott's music by someone covering one of his songs someone playing the guitar on my couch at a time when I opened my door to tramps and travelers and folk singers quite a bit more than I do today. That very day, I bought some of John's music on iTunes and added them to my regular listening rotation. A year or two later, John, who was raised in Minnesota but now lives in San Francisco, was touring on the East Coast. I saw him perform his music on a grand piano in an intimate house concert, and... I think he made me cry. I put $40 into a shoebox that was passed around for donations for John, and I bought a couple of his CDs. Looking back, I think I shortchanged him. It remains one of the most moving musical experiences of my life. Over his 15-year career, he has put out eight albums of original music, in addition to various themed projects, some under the name The Hereafter. This fall, he'll release what he calls his most personal, an album called North Star. In 2006, a song of his was featured on Grey's Anatomy, the ABC medical drama, which introduced him to a mass audience. From there, he steadily earned the respect of others in that traveling folk singer-songwriter orbit. I've at least twice heard songs from John covered by others at their concerts. So I need to draw a line here right away between the well-intentioned guy from your dorm who wrote songs and someone like John Elliott. You may not have heard of him, but he is a very serious songwriter. I engage with his writing like I do anyone I take seriously, like everyone who has been on this podcast. But John has stayed decidedly independent, as do many in the folk genre. As John joked with me once, not enough people are paying to hear other people bear their souls. And though he does have his share of slow-moving, soul-bearing ballads, that's not where John is at his best. 
and it's not why I wanted to talk to him for this podcast. When you see John live, you'll know he isn't just another throaty white guy songwriter when he digs into one of his mad and layered pieces, thick with tempo changes and worldview that wallops you when you least expect it. My favorite album of his is a 2014 live set called Live in Austin. It's on Spotify and elsewhere online, so treat yourself to it. Two songs on that album best explain why I wanted to hear from him on his writing process. One is his signature song. It's called Concerning the Lincoln and Douglas Debates, a spiraling exploration into coming to understand that no one quite understands love. It's the song of his that I've heard covered by other folk singers. The other song is a song called I Love Austin. It's a seven-minute digestion of his time living in Texas. Neither of these songs should work. They're both more than five minutes long. One includes a couplet diversion into Mormonism, and the latter is mostly a name check of friends that most of us have never heard of. But they do, of course, work, and for a few reasons. For one, they both rely heavily on this thundering, control, singing shout that John can do unlike anyone I've ever heard perform live. John Elliott's concerts are so much higher energy than anything you're imagining when you think singer-songwriter. So live albums approximate that. But those songs work also because of at least two specific writing techniques that John is excellent at. First, he leaves room for the listener to fill in her own meaning for a song. In that epic Lincoln song, John has this section that seems to be reviewing American history by singing that all of a sudden there were Germans. It's like all of a sudden there were Germans Acres and acres of Germans Hilarious Germans Their English was pretty good they came into this country. After one of his concerts, I shared with him the elaborate sub-narrative that I had developed from that song. John listened very patiently, and it was very clear that I hadn't cracked some code. The song simply evokes a spirit, but leaves plenty for the rest of us to co-create. I was just the thousandth person to tell John what I thought his song really meant. You do the same thing in novel and poetry and short story. The author creates the cup then lets the audience fill in the cup. John does it as vibrantly as any songwriter I know. The second specific technique John employs is that he edits his songs not to make them more relatable to a wider audience, but to get more exact, more true, as he put it to me. After watching John Elliott perform, you didn't just see a concert, you saw a 90-minute dissection of another human. So in that I Love Austin song, Fully six minutes in, after a whole lot of elaborate and colorful character development, he comes back to himself by singing that I was born into a family. I was born into a family, and that family was fine and intact and alive until 1995. Then that family died, and we went our separate ways. We made at the family grave. On certain holidays, I am lost and I'm at sea. Consider how incredibly simple that phrasing is. But I bet it evokes a vivid picture in your mind. And I bet it's a very personal picture. I bet it's something very different than the one that I'm picturing. 
that's incredible writing. I've heard writers start their process with either heavily scheduled rigor or muse scheduled abandon. John is decidedly the latter, but from a collection of notebooks and incessantly strumming his acoustic guitar, he's made a career writing songs and singing them for others. Because we happen to be a bit chummy, John and I managed to have a two-hour conversation, including a tangent into the business of making a career in independent music. That's something I'll share an excerpt of on writingprocesspod.com. But here, I managed to cut us down to just 25 minutes, finishing up with him previewing a song on his forthcoming album, North Star, complete with how he's edited it through the process. We'll start here, with John discussing his perhaps undisciplined writing process. I'm, I'm not the most disciplined writer, is a good way to start that. Like, I'm, I'm not very disciplined. <laughs> I've, I'm very much um, a follower of my inspiration. And I would right. critique myself negatively for that, except for that I've written a lot of songs that I think are good. So it, it seems to work right. somehow. And, and it, I remember reading this thing when I was in high school in Rolling Stone that Eddie Vedder said that he learned from Neil Young, which when you think about Neil Young's output, it totally makes sense, you know. And Neil Young told him, mm. uh, if you, when you feel inspired, when you have the, the impetus to write something, that is a magical and very fleeting moment. You know, you like you have you owe it to yourself to stop everything and follow that through until it peters out. And hmm. I, I've really hung on to that because I rely so much on inspiration that that's how it's generally worked for me is when I, you know, and I was thinking of songs that are on this album, like um, there's this one song in there called All My Friends Are In The Valley. And I was thinking, when when did I write right. that song? You know, and I know exactly when to write that song. I was staying in my friend's house in the valley, the L.A. Valley, the San Fernando Valley, in his back house, and his good friend of mine. And it was kind of a turbulent period and a lot of change going on. And it was like, and I was, <laughs> it just occurred <laughs> that line occurred to me because I was like, God, I'm visiting L.A. and I'm not leaving the valley. I'm like in the valley this whole time, you know. <laughs> I have no reason to go to the other side right now for some reason. Um, and then the song became something completely beyond that, but that was a hook into it. That was a moment of inspiration. And rather than write that down and, okay, I'll deal with this tomorrow, I like, it's a little annoying, you know, it's like, okay, oh, geez, I'm going to have to put myself through this. And then you grab the guitar and you sit down and then there you are for a couple hours, you know. Um, but those are those are really little moments of magic, too. They feel that way anyway, you know. Um, and right. one thing that's an example of maybe songwriters get to have this and other writers don't. I don't know if anybody's talked about this, but... A lot of things happen a little stream of consciousness like f for years when I was uh, spending a lot of time in the car and before there was iPhones like I had a little tape recorder cassette recorder and I would just every day like turn on the cassette recorder start playing around with like here I got the guitar like 
you know, you can just like strum things and like, you know, maybe it doesn't even have words yet, you know, and then you figure it out as you go. And, right. and there have been songs that I've, you know, quote, written, unquote, that are one take improvisations and they're they're pretty much there in mm. four and a half minutes because I was feeling it. And then there's a little bit of rewriting where you nip and tuck a line or a phrase or, you know, there's that's that's all part of it. But sometimes that is what turns into a song, you know. And then there's somewhere it's very clearly like I sat down with a notebook somewhere, wrote a bunch of words down, then I put the thing down and then I... Play, got the guitar out and I figured out what, what I was feeling and then when you do that you start to edit the words to fit around what the music is becoming <laughs> um, I can't think of very many in fact that give me what I want example is maybe the only one where I don't want to say the only one I think Feet to the Fire was also I had that that song in my head hmm. but it's generally the words I write down the words first or I'm just kind of messing around simultaneously and recording now on my iPhone on my I have this app that I have but yeah so that's a long so yeah the North Star album you know that's how All My Friends Are In The Valley was written um, <laughs> the, a lot of the songs for that the the little like nuggets that started those songs happened because that album was written while I lived in San Francisco and I was biking around a bunch. So there's all these collections of iPhone recordings where you can like, I'm breathing kind of heavily, you know? And I'm like, is there anything? Like I have an idea for something and I like pulled, very dangerously pulled out my iPhone while biking in the city and sang a little, a line into there or something. <laughs> do, do you formally write your music or only the lyrics are formally written and otherwise the music is that's a great question yeah no i don't write um write out music at all i i have written yeah i know how to do it and i've had to generally like it's like if if this makes sense you have to write music to communicate it to other musicians you know like in that language so the only time i've really done that is when i'm recording a cello or recording something needs to be communicated to, to someone and there are specific parts or lines that I have in mind. Um, and it, that, that rewriting, that's you playing in your apartment or whatever enough times or are you going live and not like... No, when, that's a great question. When I play sounding. something live, I've, I've spent a lot of time getting it to where I like yeah. it. And that's something, I mean... I there's some things that I have written that cause people um anger or to be uncomfortable or um it just, there's been some strong reactions to some things that I've written and I really strongly believe this like if I have recorded it or played it or I play it, I'm, I, it has passed, I've given it so much scrutiny and so much thought that that's what I want to say and that's how I want to say it, that I don't care, really. 
<laughs> you know, like I believe, I mean, all I can say is that there are all these reams of notebooks that I've tortured myself over throwing away 98% of things that I've written down. So if something has gotten to where I'll stand in front of people and share it with you, I've, it has gone through a pretty rigorous internal process of self-hatred <laughs> to be like presentable so yeah so i don't really well, that, care how people respond to it at that point because i've given it a lot of thought john is there most directly from this upcoming album or 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 you know one you've already had a, a representative example of how a song started is it typically a piece of language first or a concept you want to explore um one example i can well i can give you some a couple specific ones there's an album on there called when i make my home um i was in austin for thanksgiving and everybody was doing their thanksgiving things with their families and like I just wasn't really, I was invited to all, many different ones, but none of them were, were f- f- mine, you know? And right there again, you know, in a moment of sadness or a moment of despair, I reached for writing to just somehow make sense of that, you know? And that's that song I wrote for that. Um, there's a song called Rings on Ring Fingers, which that was a phrase that I, well, mainly though, it was I was at this party and I was like single and I was thinking, I was like, God, man, like <laughs> this is the age I'm at. It's, I'm looking at everybody's fingers, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'll, meet, I'll meet someone. I'll meet like a nice looking lady and then I'll look, I'll just check. I'll go down and check. I'm like, ah, no, all right. Yeah, that's no good. You know? Um, (laughs) And that ended up being the, this song rings on ring fingers. Um, And so was that, was it the concept and language together then in that sense, you wanted to explore that idea and also you had a bit of, yeah, that's exactly right. It was, um, I had that moment, I was thinking about how that was like interesting, that that is something that I hadn't done previously and I was doing now, and that's that's where I'm at. And then, I wish I could remember specifically, but I'm pretty sure the idea of being aware of rings on ring fingers, I just thought that sounded nice. You know, that, that like little line was cool, I thought. Right. Um, and every time I get a line like that that I like, uh, I feel this sudden pressure because I think, oh God, I hope I can write the rest of it around there that it's so it's good. You know, I don't want to mess it up. Um, mm. But yeah, that that one. And then the other one I just thought of that is an example of something very different is this song called Young Ones, which that was all music and melody. Um, I just knew the, I knew the chords and I knew the melody and I didn't have the words. And I felt, again, tremendous pressure because I knew it was a good melody. I knew it was a good song. I was like, at some point, I'm going to have to sit down and write this thing, you know? And, I, and I, <laughs> that's a tricky one because, like, um, like, if you know that it's like... Mm-hmm. 
know, like if you know that, you know the rhythm of how things are going to go. So you can't write. You have to write within that frame. I mean, that's your there's your rhythm. So right. It's like I woke up late and I crept. That fits with it, you know. I went to the store and bought a sandwich. I went to the store and bought a sandwich. Doesn't fit, you know. Um, right. Do you, what? What is it? You, you've kind of referenced examples of both. Is it more common that you are you you have language? Are you co-writing the music with language most often? Are you co-writing yeah. language with music? Did I say that? Did yeah, I say the, the, I'm that just right way? I'm trying to think yeah. the answer to that because I really I really d- most often I think yes. Well, I'd I'd say you'll have ring on ring fingers. I'd say fifty fifty. There was no music for rings on ring back. fingers. That was a concept and that was a line, and then I. I wrote the lyrics and then I picked up the guitar and wrote music that goes with it. Mostly that's, okay. I think, what happens. Okay. Unless it's one of those like simultaneous into the iPhone ones. Which, the, the way those work, right. I should say, because this is really part, a big part of the process, is um, like I can say, there's a song that's like, um, it's down here. Um, there's a song I know the the chorus, but I don't know the. This is very rough, but it's like I know that it's like. But out comes out what I wanna do, wanna run me out of town. And then I like I won't know, like I kind of know those words, but I don't really know those words. That like run me out of town, I think is part of it, but I don't know, you know. And a lot of t- what's cool about a song is you can sing it in your head over and over and over again and write it as the day goes on, you know? So I'll be like, when everyone finds out what I'm gonna do, gonna run me out of town. Maybe that's what it is. But I have no idea what the next line is. Mm. You know? And so I've got all these iPhone recordings that are like, they sound like that. And then when I listen to them over and over again, either I'll write words that sound like what I was trying to subconsciously say, or I'll just take what I've already written and then, or said, and then write bits that it sort of goes from there. And then I figure out what it's about that way. Those are really fun to to back into it that way is Hmm. really fun because you can get all kinds of cool word combinations. I mean, there's the beauty about songwriting too is it can be impressionistic. It doesn't have to be linear, you know. I mean, you can. I, I had a creative writing teacher tell me once that the thing that you wrote that you feel the weirdest or most uncomfortable about that you think like maybe this will make sense in the context of my my songs too. But if you have something that makes you feel strange that might be the best thing you wrote which mm. you f- what is strange, strange mean in not that strange sense, um uh, uh, like embarrassed you know or uncomfortable or oh, okay maybe oversharing or something um you might be onto something there you know got it yeah 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 that's interesting um so I realize I haven't actually had you gotten you to properly sing a bit, and I selfishly want to make sure 
we we have a little bit of that. So I wonder if 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 there's a way for you to explain something you you wrote or you try that change and maybe share with right, us yeah. in its so final like, form is a little. All right. So crash the party. Um, the couple examples are: it's like the first line is, "The natives are restless; they cannot protect it." What what is it? I change that to this, and then they cannot give up or give in. I change to they cannot pay up or get out, <laughs> which is much more true. <laughs> you know, what it ended up being a song about. Well, it's these all these songs are about a bunch of different things, but. Um, this end, this line ends up being, they are selling this city, they are selling this country, the natives are giving up ground. I was tangled in trouble, and then I had stranded and humbled. But I wasn't stranded, so when I went back and rewrote it, I said I was cornered and humbled, which is much more true. And, um, and then I had nowhere, I started to write nowhere to... And that didn't feel right, but no way to go around felt right. And then this is, I think this is interesting. I wrote, I'll move on, I'll get through. Which, it's it, those specific, I mean, you don't have any, very many words in songwriting, so you got to get really specific, right. you know? Um <laughs> And and it and it's it's hard to get the right ones and you have to challenge yourself sometimes. Like so I had I'll move on, then I did I'll get on, and then I'll finally went with I'll go on, I'll go through, which is a totally different concept than moving on and getting through, you know? Um and I was really happy to get that in a song because I've heard that saying over and over again, the only way is through. Um mm. And this is at a particularly challenging time again, which is when I seem to write things. And so, um, <laughs> and then this is one I wanted to share. Then I said, I'll do whatever I'm able to do, which is like, whatever is just not, what am I, anytime I write that, I know that I'm cheating because I don't, I'm not saying anything, whatever. I, first of all, I won't do whatever I'm, I'm not going to do whatever. And also it right. just means I'm not being specific, you know? So that changed into I'll do the best that I'm able to do, which is more true. And then the then give me time and I'll crash the party <laughs> is the end of it. So the end of way the way it ended up was this. Um, so John, just actually before I want you to play uh, without my interruptions. I'm so eager for it. So just one clarification though to sum up those changes you just went through. I think I heard a common theme in a couple ways. One, you just alluded to it, specificity in many of those examples from your first going from the to this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your your article change there. Pay um, up versus giving up. Exactly. Because they can give up. Right. <laughs> but they can't pay up. <laughs> they don't have the cash. <laughs> so so it's fair to say that in your songwriting experience, and I mean, yeah, this is a writing truth, that that writing is always a translation of an idea from mind to words that others can understand and we often will start with vague language and your editing process is getting more specific that's one of the challenges you're giving yourself is that a fair broad brush of what you're doing in your editing process as it were yeah or even um more accurate more true Mm. i think it's more true more honest 
more honest. You, yeah, you you almost you 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 might not always in your first write totally lean into that discomfort you alluded to a moment ago about having to lean right. into. Yeah, and you yeah. also might not know what you're trying to say. Mm. You know, I mean, sometimes I think a lot of times in songwriting, it becomes clear over the course of writing it what the song's about. And then when you go back over it, some things need to be changed or rephrased to make that make sense. That's perfect. Okay, so now with that setup, that editing, you were writing, and then just as you were playing along with music, you would edit over time? You were, you were like crossing out, improving, you know, that, but that's just you doing it, right? There's no, there's that's a great question. Other, there's no, other voice. no, there's no, it's just me doing it. Um, it was probably, this was, these edits were all probably done once I set it to music. Got it. Okay. And, great. And, but a lot of these are not, uh, in this particular case, they're not meter things. They're just, they're just getting more accurate with getting to the truth of what I was trying to say, I think. Mm. Well, Mr. John Elliott, would you please share this portion of what you've edited over time for your, yeah, this is your the forthcoming album? Forthcoming album, track two, on guitar. <laughs> All right, so it's like, The natives are restless. They cannot protect this. They cannot pay up or get out. They are selling this city. They are selling this country. The natives are giving up ground. I was tangled and troubled, cornered and humbled. No way to go around. I'll go on. I'll go through. I'll do the best that I'm able to Give me time And I'll crash the party When I re-listened to the end of this interview, I was so taken by his editing the phrase, I'll do whatever I can do, to... I'll do the best that I'm able to do. That so reflects those earlier points of great writing, leaving space for your reader to co-create and editing to be closer to the truth. So beautiful and such a good lesson in how crucial those small edits are. Okay, perfect. That is this episode of The Writing Process. It's a conversation with writing masters. Look for The Writing Process on iTunes and in all the many places podcasts appear and subscribe. You'll be able to find all our episodes as we post them at writingprocesspod.com. Thank you to my guest, John Elliott, whom you can find on Twitter at The Hereafter and at thehereafterishere.com, where you can buy copies of his albums, which you should. Our theme music is from James Spadola, who still thinks passive voice has no place in good writing. I'm your host, Christopher Wink. Find me at Christopher Wink or doing hobbyist plumbing projects. Until next time, remember, choose your words more carefully.